Welcome. Uh, on today's program, uh, we have an exciting guest on the Energy Advisors podcast. You know, our, our goal and mission here at Energy Advisors is to help you learn about all the trends and changes and news and, and things you can do to not only cut your energy costs, but actually make yourself independent. But uh, excited about today's show, I've got one of the top realtors, at least the top realtors in my mind, uh, here in Colorado. Um, I'm excited to have him on the show, Steve Colley. He is uh, a great resource. I've known Steve for almost 10 years now, and he helps my family with all their real estate needs. But today we're going to talk about what's happening in the marketplace, what what might become upcoming trends, what his experience is, and those types of things. And so um, that's our episode. Now, don't forget, wherever you are watching or listening, make sure you subscribe, hit for the notifications, uh, so that way you don't miss out on any um, interesting conversations. We have some really cool guests coming up in the entire energy industry. And this one guy who actually makes these electric cars is on the schedule coming up this fall. So we're pretty excited about that. So welcome to today's uh, program. Steve, how are you? Good. Thank you, Rex, for having me. None cooler than than me today, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about your business and what you do and uh, what you've been up to for the last, uh, I think it's been a little more a decade, right? Yeah. So I've been in the real estate business for just over nine years now. Okay. I started at Metro Brokers. And uh, after my, my previous boss retired, I switched over to Your Castle Real Estate. Uh-huh. So yeah, now I'm with the Kali Group. Uh, the Kali Group's like my team, team name, but the brokerage name is Your Castle Real Estate. Some people say my castle. No, it's Your Castle Real Estate. Uh, yes. So I've been doing it nine years. Love what I do. I help, you know, first-time buyers, move-up buyers, sellers, investors. There's a whole array of, of people I work with, but uh, really enjoy it. I really um, I believe people deserve more like buying or selling a house is such a huge transaction that I really try to put my efforts on doing the basics at a high level, the communication, the stuff I hear about all the time, honesty, communication, hard work. You know, some people praise me for answering the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> rocket science. Right. But yeah, no doubt the basics at a high level is really what I specialize in and try to help my clients have the best experience possible with one of the biggest you know, purchases or sales they're going to have. Absolutely. Now, uh, where all do you do business now currently? Yeah. So good question. So I'm a Colorado native. I grew up in Arvada. I live currently in Anthem Highlands of Broomfield. And so most of my business is in Northwest Denver. So Arvada, Westminster, Broomfield, uh, Thornton, those kind of areas. But I've sold farther north than Fort Collins and down to the Castle Rock area. So uh, but most of it's concentrated in Northwest Denver. Okay. Now, a little bit about uh, your background, for what you've done. Um, have you been spending most of your time in single-family units, multi-units? What what all areas do you do you specialize in? Yeah, most of them are detached single-family homes. Uh, but I've also sold condos, townhomes, um, things like that. Um, not really, and I, I have helped investors as well, but most okay. of it is detached single families. Okay, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this, folks. Um, I've got a great relationship with Steve. Love him. 
I recommend him to all kinds of people. My family members have used him. So uh, he's a great professional. So Steve, if you would real quick, you know, the market changes because of the inflation, the economy, all the things that get in. I don't want to get into all the politics of that. It's not my bailiwick on this uh, particular show. Uh, I do have opinions, but those uh, stay with me sometimes. I I heard a great quote the other day. It says, I have a lot of opinions about that, but I don't have anything to say. So um, what's the market look like right now? What, what's been happening over like the last year or two? Then what's happening currently? Uh, you know, we're in a buyer's market, seller's market, because these trends are going to be very common across the country. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate all your praise, Rex. Um, likewise, you're a great guy and appreciate our relationship. As far as what's the real estate market doing, um, it's it's been an interesting ride, right? Well, like the last, you know, we went through kind of, you know, with COVID, we had this hyper, you know, home appreciation period. Um, we've we've cooled off since then, and we're we're more in a stable market, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the number of I was just actually doing a video sending out a July, you know, market update. Um, yeah, the number of new listings is down because, you know, sellers, if they're going to trade from a two or 3% interest rate to a six or seven, that's, that's pretty painful, right? Yeah, so that's not very good math. No. Yeah. That's, that's tough. You have to be pretty serious, but you know, people that are retiring or, you know, getting married or growing family or someone passed away, those serious people are still moving. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I've actually helped several people move out of the state of Colorado. Okay. Um, one retired and went to Florida. Some other people went to Indiana, North Carolina, Utah. So I've seen a big trend of that people leaving Colorado. Um, we were because we were growing so fast. There was yes. we were it was like fifty thousand plus people a year for a while, and now that's changed. We're right. more in the stable plus or minus a little bit, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that the real estate market, uh, although people are always on the edge of like, when's the housing market going to crash, you know, when's <laughs> this, that, or the other going to happen, it's held in strong. Uh, home values are down just about 2% from last year, which is not very much considering that we just increased our home values went up so fast with COVID. So yeah. that's kind of my thoughts on what's going on in the market. Well, if you had a little bit of a crystal ball, what would you what would your forecast look for the next six, 12, nine months? What do you, what do you see based on your experience? Yeah. I, I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, baited I, question, sir. Baited question. Right. right. I, to be truthful, I don't. So I can't tell okay. you exactly what's going to happen, but um, I think there was some thoughts. A lot of like mortgage lenders were saying, you know, they were hoping and kind of thinking that interest rates would cool off and maybe go into the 5% this year. Yeah. I think that's less likely to happen now. Um, we just had a rough week last week with interest rates. They're in the upper six to lower 7% range now. Ouch. Um, so I think there's two things to watch. And this these are your indicators. The inventory levels, uh, those are the same as they were last year. We have uh-huh. just over 6,000 homes available in the Denver metro area, which Historically, the average is like 15,000. So still low inventory, still a seller's market. So if that if that goes higher or lower, that's a that's an indicator of supply. Okay. Right. And then the interest rates, if those drop dramatically or increase dramatically, that's going to make a big difference. So I'd say interest rates and inventory is your two things to watch. Okay, fantastic. 
So in this seller's market, people are doing all kinds of things to improve the value of their house. I mean, what do you see that's happening out there? Sort of some trends. Yeah, as far as improvements, so there's a couple a couple thoughts. Before we get to improvements, a lot of people, like if they're just selling, some people will just they'll just put it on the market, take terrible photos, and just rush through it and put it on. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's like so the wrong thing to do when it's your largest transaction of your life, right? Right. So preparing it, cleaning, decluttering, getting it like professionally photographed um, and, and staging. I totally believe in staging as well. Not for everybody, but um, the impact of it is tremendous. Right. Um, so those things help. But as far as improvements on the home, um, you know, I think kitchens, baths are always going to be high on the list. Yeah. Um, paint. I think paint and flooring are some of the best things you can do that are more cost effective. Sure. Uh, depending if you do it yourself or hire a professional. But um, I think there's there's a lot of things that that sellers, there's always something you can do. Right. And it's whether if you want to <laughs> go into that, you know, domino effect of start here and then go do the whole house or what people want to do. Yeah, it depends on where they are financially with the right. margin they're going to get on their house and those types of things. Right. Okay, so uh, being the fact that we talk energy on this on this podcast and this show, I don't like to call it a show. It's it's a conversation. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on there. Um, we've seen unprecedented uh, economic impact here in Colorado, and it's happening across the country. Our local provider, and I don't mind uh, calling them out, Excel Energy here. They have a captive market, a mo monopoly. Um, last year in 22, they did a 30.58% uh, increase in rates. And then this year in 23, they were awarded by the Public Utilities Commission 8%. And then that wasn't enough. So they have another proposal that will go live, it looks like, um, for another 0.8, so another 1%. So 40% in just one, two years. It, it's, it's there. So it's impacting uh, a lot of homeowners, well, uh, homeowners especially. And so what we're starting to see quite a bit is some trends of people looking for things that they can do to, to basically improve their margin on their home, to save money, improve their budget. Um, so what are you starting to see on that from your perspective? Yeah, no, that's, I don't know the stats like you, so that I knew they were going up, but that's even more than I was thinking. Um, I think people are conscious of that and and want to save money where they can, right? And be as energy efficient as they can. Right. Um, so yeah, as far as what I see, yeah, solar is definitely probably the most talked about one in real mm -hmm. estate. Um, you do see the tankless water heaters and seeing a lot more electric vehicles. I have a Tesla myself. So I was just going to let um, the listeners know that <laughs> you're... Uh, coming from a you're speaking to a tesla a tesla owner and you went through the whole process of getting the ev ch charging capabilities right. at your home yeah and, yep, and how long ago was that that was an add-on you didn't do that when you built did you yeah so we bought a new home in 2020 which it's you know high energy efficiency for them you know but it's always changing right but sure um so yeah i bought my my tesla in november of 2021 Okay. I've had it for a little over a year and a half and love it. Um, when I, when I did that though, um, you know, in the garage, I just had a 110 charge port. So I was like, ah, oh, it's going to take forever to charge this thing. So yeah. I, uh, you know, had someone come over and put in the 220 and that's, it's been a great way to charge my vehicle. 
Okay, so uh, in your perspective from a real estate professional, things like solar, uh, EV charging stations, tankless, is that a, uh, an advantage in the marketplace for a homeowner? You know, as they're selling their house so, so they can kind of pitch it in that way? Yeah, I think so. Generally, um, the more energy efficiency you have, the more information you have that you can share with your realtor yeah. that we can try to sell to the buyers is very helpful. Yeah. Because um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, uncertainty or unfamiliarity with solar, maybe. Yeah. Um, or, you know, people have different perceptions about is, is it really cost effective? Is it just good for the environment? You know, there's a lot of a lot of questions that people have. Yeah. So I think I think if you have data, you have the facts. Um, I think it certainly helps with the sale of a house. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a couple of things I can help uh, with our listeners. And again, it's just some things that, that come to mind. Yeah, solar is one of the biggest impact uh, technologies you, you can get. The technology has come a long way. There are um, now solar panel manufacturers here in the United States, uh, a couple of plants in, in Florida and stuff. So the U.S. isn't 100% relying on um, international, especially China, uh, for panels and those things. The technology has leaps and bounds. You know, my grandfather... Uh, started messing around with solar in 1975 wow. and he lived out on a ranch in Nebraska and he built his own forced air um, heating system. And then he built his own um, tank. He he was basically heating his water because he had radiant heat. And so he was heating his, his ranch house with that. So I've kind of had an eye on it for a long, long time, but it's really just been in the last two to three years that things have started to make economic sense. Um, the technology has increased so much. You know, most of the solar providers out there today are carrying 25-year um, installation warranties, 25-year um, panel uh, warranties. And, you know, there's nothing in the world that's going to last 25 years. Let's, let's just be honest. So there'll be upgrades, okay? And one of the trends in the industry that we're seeing now for homeowners in particular is that the... Um, the equipment and their warranties um, basically go along with the sale of the house. So I did solar in the summer of 2021. If I were to sell this home, which I'd be crazy because I'd have to spend a lot more money to replace it, uh, the, the warranties on my panels would go with it. So um, I think that's a selling feature. I've talked to a lot of the people around that like, wow, isn't what's the issue when you, you know, you have a transaction, you know, does it go with it? So that's improved a ton. Um, skipping over to tankless water heaters, they're amazing. I had one on my other house, going to put one again on this. You know, the whole concept was just heating water when you want it, right? And so instead of keeping 50 gallons of water hot all the time, then this is something people don't think about. And uh, we always talk about this to homeowners and potential homeowners. And since you're a real estate guy, people want to know about these things. But, you know, we don't think about this. If we keep our water heater at 140 degrees, and then you want a shower that's not 140 degrees to take your uh, layer of skin off. What do you do? You put cold back in it. Yeah. So you spent money to heat it up and then you cool it down. Well, with the tankless water uh, technologies, they're all Wi-Fi, those types of things. You can set your shower at your temperature and you're not wasting the efficiencies of hot and cold and stuff like that. So, But uh, typ typical homeowners across a year 
because you're going to have heat seasons and cool seasons, especially at our longitude and latitude, I'll save around 40% on their gas bill, which is fairly substantial. Um, Are you seeing a lot of people moving to tankless water heaters? Are you looking at, uh, I know we looked all about the time we made our last transaction. We saw two builders that actually had uh, tankless as either a standard or an option. So are you seeing a little bit more of that in the marketplace than say 10 years ago? Yeah, I just sold one. I just sold one in Westminster that had a tankless water heater. Um, so yeah, I guess I would say I'm seeing it more. I think that is, I mean, obviously there's a there's an initial investment difference, right? They're more sure. expensive initially. Right. If it saves you money over the long term, could be a great investment. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we will see more and more of that. Um, you know, I think uh just the standard water heaters though are probably still the majority just because they're cheaper yep <laughs> they install and replace um but yeah i think in the future we'll see more and more of the tankless well there's um an impact that homeowners don't know too the tankless water heaters now also based on some of the uh, legislation that was passed in the last 24 months and especially this last year where the tankless have some of the same tax um, deductions that are available that you would go with solar and stuff like that yeah. Now, do you get out in the rural much and see, you know, many rural properties or do you mostly suburban? Yeah, mostly suburban. Um, you know, sometimes there's, you know, go out east to like Brighton area, and but mostly like Denver Metro suburban. Okay. This is what I'm focused on. Well, the reason I asked that is, you know, my wacky grandfather, you know, clear back to 1975, you know, he had windmills to pump water for his cattle. And he jumped on a, his own windmill to generate his own electricity. Problem of that back then is they didn't have very sophisticated systems. So kind of fed into his batteries and then, you know, but his batteries was the bank of a whole bunch of car batteries. <laughs> so he didn't uh, do that. But and of course, he didn't have any restrictions. And so he had this clunky looking windmill for his own house. But what's been happening now recently and a, a trends, and I think we're going to start to see this is. There are new compact um, residential and small business wind turbines that don't have the big obnoxious blades, so you don't look like you're a wind farm or something like that. They're generally affordable, and then they can contribute to your small power plant because that's what you become as a as a homeowner is you become your own power plant. And so those are nice. There's a lot of um, homeowners associations that don't have problems with that, and so that's a new. Uh, technology that's going to start to gain some some ground because you know the one thing if you look historical and and I, I get on the soapbox to talk about this a little bit but let's look at modern times okay we all started out our our ancestors where power distribution was it was distributed you did your own wood or coal or whatever it took to heat your home okay well, then electricity came along and electricity needed to be centralized. Okay, so you went to a centralized model because it was cheaper to, to create that. The technologies weren't there. So we had a centralized um, uh, distribution system of power. Well, and then gas went the same way. So we did the same things. Okay, but now if you're going to these energy, what I call energy independent solutions, you can go back to a distributed model. And essentially what I've done is Excel Energy is now a customer of mine. Okay. So they buy all my excess energy. And when I get my wind on my house, I'm going to sell them even more. 
And so flipping the script. Uh, that's right. right. Flipping the script. And so I kind of I kind of tell people there is the opportunity as a homeowner that you can actually turn that. So now, in essence, um, Excel Energy, our power provider here we're in my neighborhood, is a backup power supply for me. Okay, because I'm generating enough. Now, if you get the right type of systems with reverse meters and those types of things, you're skipping all of those net meter things. And we can talk about that because there's a homeowner out there. If you tuned in and we, you know, we're talking real estate and energy and those things. Um, you the One of the strategies that you want to look at, and again, all of this comes down to what makes economic sense and, and sense. It doesn't fit for everybody. There's probably about 30% of the homes that may not work be currently because of technology. But if you can get in a situation where you can augment your metering systems and reverse and put in these power, um, these storage banks like Tesla makes some amazing, uh, you know, power wall, uh, as, you know, storage uh, capacities, you can be storing up quite a bit of electricity um, for that. So, that's a, that's something that people need to take a look at when they are looking at their options for their homes is to say, OK, what can I do to become my own little power plant? Because I, yeah. I kind of I tease my wife. I mean, we're going home to the power plant. And she's like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, well, I got those things up on the roof that, you know, yeah. where that's my power plant. But we really have a big need for that, too. Right. Because the I mean, the more and more electric vehicles and electronics and everything else we have, there's going to be a need collectively as a country probably right like to well yeah we've we've already to... we've already seen that in california where they're telling their residents you can't charge or don't want you to charge during these hours because of the pull on the grid yeah and i did some analysis since 1985 the um power rates have gone up an average of five percent a year but our wonderful friends at excel here in colorado they did the 30.58 jump in one year and you can't tell me that the rates are ever going to go down, okay? And you can't tell me that with the, like you just mentioned, the demand of more and more electronics and EVs, that that's just going to get worse because they're going to go back to the PUC. And they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, we got all this more draw. We need to upgrade things. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's still capital market. I mean, when there's supply and, and demand. Yeah. So, you know, here's one thing I don't think the average homeowner thinks through. Um the average household has over 50 devices. It's like 53 devices, okay, that you're consuming electricity with. And that's from your TVs, your all of your appliances, your phone chargers, every gizmo that you can think of, kids' toys, you know, all the electronics in your house, we're consume, we consume electricity with an average home of 53 items. And so... When you go look at a house uh, from an energy assessment, you want to look at, uh, we had a neighbor across the street and down the block. They purchased their house and it had wire, um, aluminum wiring in the home. And so they had to have that all replaced so they could be up to standards. So people don't really stop and think about that thing. It's not the obvious, but I'll tell you, as more and more demand on the system, there's going to be more and more need to be paying attention yeah. to energy consumption on the home definitely definitely yeah. that makes sense yeah so it, it's a it's an interesting world and I, I think it's just like anything else the more education you can get uh the better for it and i'm out there you know i'm not a um 
crazy climate, you know, change, jump on everything kind of guy. Of course, everybody wants a cleaner world. Everybody wants free and cheap, you know, energy. Everybody wants to make sure that we're keeping our footprint down. But when I look at these technologies, and I don't care it's any of these, it's about the economics for me first, okay? Sure. I raised five kids. Can you afford uh, it or can't you, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what it, what it boils down yeah. to. And so, you know, I hope the homeowners that are listening out there today um, take a look at this stuff and to be cognizant about not only what their footprint looks like today, their consumption, their budgets and stuff, but also what could happen in the future because yeah. it the demand for electricity is just going to go higher and higher as we get more things working. I mean, I don't expect to have my own AI um, server farm in my backyard or anything, but um, it will continue to grow and the more electronics. I mean, do you run into many smart homes um, today with people who yeah. you know go the whole smart home? Yeah, and I think older homes, you know, you see a lot of the the Nest thermostats or the Ecobee thermostats and, um, you know, some of the other smart features, um, the doorbell thing, not that that's energy. No, it is though. Oh, is that help? That does help too? Yeah. There, there are a couple technologies out there that you can actually help with the reduction of those things. And then that's the, you know, the topic I just didn't throw out there yet was looking at your heat um, and your air conditioning. You know, if you look at the older units that are not as efficient, uh, you need to look at those. Taking a look at the um, Wi-Fi controlled or app controlled, um, you know, controllers for your water heaters and or are uh, your which aren't as efficient, but your furnaces and right. your cooling systems. Those are important because now here in Colorado, and again, this applies in so many places. Excel Energy, as their big monopoly, went out and put these net meters on. Okay. Well, the net meters are smart meters, but they're only smart for the electric company. They're not only smart for us. So like here, our example, let's say that it's 10 cents uh, a kilowatt hour. Well, as soon as it becomes one to three o'clock, they charge you double because of the demand on the grid. Well, then from three to seven, they charge you triple. So it's a sneaky way for them for supply and demand to pay to charge a lot more because if they went to the PUC, and said, hey, we need to double the rates or triple the rates. I mean, there'd be a mutiny, right? But what that's does the what, PUC stand for, Rex? Public, public Utilities Commission. Okay. okay. And every state has one in the yeah. Public Utilities Commission. Every state has one, and that's where the power companies go and beg to justify their rates. Okay. okay. And these were put in place a long, long time ago. Gosh, I'd have to look it up. I should know that. But the Public Utility Commissions were put into place because of the centralized um, energy distribution models where essentially the unintended consequence was a monopoly. And yeah. so the, the consumer said, hey, wait, I've got a monopoly. You can't just let these guys run amok. So they, it, was, it was the way that the, it was for consumer protection. But I'm going to tell you this, they go back every single year for additional, um, for additional increases sometimes like this year, multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way to protect ourselves. So these net meters, going back to that, yes, it's cool technology because you can kind of, you know, gauge when you're using, 
So there's like law at my house. You're not doing anything huge electrical between <laughs> one and seven, right? <laughs> right during dinner and yeah. school or whatever. Yeah, no, you're Your not. Kids aren't as young anymore. I guess. Yeah, you're not running the dishwasher. <laughs> there's no laundry being done. If I can um, kick you off the TV, you know, anything I can think of is to keep that consumption down. Now with little kids, you can't quite do all that. But, but uh, the net meters are truly neat technology. But people don't even know how to use those correctly. And so one of the first things that I recommend a homeowner does is take a look at their bill. And we can send out, and I've got these on the website and stuff. Again, it's it's nationwide. With They're starting to move to these smart meters and to understand what your rate structure is. Because there's no way in the world, as I mentioned before, that the PUC would allow them to have right. triple rates during those peak hours. And again... What you're going to see here in Colorado is the smart EV owners, which I think you are, are not going to be charging their cars during the day, hopefully, because you mm -hmm. want the lowest rates. Now, those rates are are flatlined on the weekend, okay? But during the week, boy, you want to be careful what you're doing. So as more and more electronics come online, more EVs get there, you know, because they, they already have a clear uh, track record with this that they're going to use that strategy to make more money um, to, during peak usage. Yeah. And I, I wonder what the general public, like how informed they are. I would assume that most people don't even know that. I mean, no. it's probably a very small percentage of people that know that. No. And when, and when we talk to homeowners, it's very, very small. It's a very just, small percentage. They're just doing whatever they do what they do. They do what they want to do when they want to do it kind of thing is kind of the, the yeah. lifestyle now. Well, that, yeah, exactly. So very few people know it. They don't know about the peak hours and the time of use and strategies there. So people need to know about that so they can think about how they're consuming things. Right. People working from home now has yeah. also made a dynamic in that. Okay. That's yeah. I get that. the last nine years. Yeah. That, that's right. So it is an impact. And so it's probably, I would say, less than 5% because here's one thing. Excel, and again, I, I lean on them because that's my provider here in Colorado. They sent out a notice. Well, if it didn't come in that bill envelope, okay, or if I auto pay, do you think I'm opening up that letter and reading it and understanding what that rate structure is now? No, no. that goes in file 13. In the, the Most people, you look at it, and like me, I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, okay, whatever this is, like kilowatts and cents, yeah. and like, I don't know if that's good or bad or. Yeah, the people numbers okay, and I'm fine, fine enough for me. Yeah, I just glaze, you know, that kind of stuff you just glaze over. That's what a typical yeah. homeowner. And people are shocked when they hear that there's been a 40% increase in rates over the last two years. And that's not even including net metering. Now, up in Fort Collins, that was sort of their pilot market in the state of Colorado. They've had net metering for four years. And in addition to the rate increases, because of the sneaky way that they run the net meters, it's increased the average bill an additional 10 to 15%. Mm. So it's not, yeah. you got to know there. So I, I just tell people, pay attention if you've got that notice for the uh, install of your net meter, pay attention, get some information out there, and it will help you as a homeowner yeah. to make some wise decisions as you're going forward. Yeah, so definitely. Can I can I add one thing for yeah absolutely going back to solar because solar is what I see probably the most in homes sure um, and people have questions about solar that's what they ask me most about 
Um, I think it's important to know a few things. So if you lease a system, a solar system, that does not add value to your house. Correct. That's, Correct. that's something that if you lease it, it does not. If you own it, it can. Yes. Um, I, I've talked to an appraiser before about it and they need to be able to justify it, right? When they do yep. comparables, they got to find someone else that is a com- comparable house that has it to prove that there's value there. Right, exactly. So so there's some things, you know, to think of. And 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 if you're selling with a leased solar system, I've I've helped many people do it. Um, it can be a little bit challenging. So it is. It um is. and and some buyers don't want to take it on and they'll ask the seller to pay it off or whatever. But it, yeah. it can be complicated. But um I think solar you know, there, there, there's definitely a push for it. Um, we have solar on our house. Yeah. It was a requirement of the HOA, actually. Nice. We bought our home through the Lennar. Yeah. Um, and the way ours works, it's not really a lease or we don't own it either. Um, it's a 20-year agreement Yep. where we get a discount on the energy that, that's produced through the solar panels. Right. And the remaining balance, we actually have United Power. Okay. For, uh, for electric and then we have uh, Excel for gas. So okay. I don't know. Those are just some things. I no, no. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. You as a homeowner, you really need to look at the options. OK, there are lease options. What they call that is a PPA where you're basically locked into an agreement and you're somewhat sort of giving them credit. They're giving you credits for the power that you're putting back into the system. There's outright ownerships. And I wouldn't come out and make a blanket statement that one is better than the other. Different states do different things. It's really popular in California to have those. Basically, we have a 20-year relationship with the power company, and you've just become a distributed generator for them. So, again, the savings are there. But, again, it's it's a case-by-case, and that's what I tell people. Mm -hmm. Don't come up with some sort of preconceived notion, yes, no, you know, a hard line on it. Talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. Get the education. And then look at all of your um, energy consumption and all of your productivity op- opportunities, and then take a look at that going forward. Because you know, there's no one one size fits all, you know, kind of solution. Um, yeah. And thank you for bringing that up because I just want to do that. So yeah. you've been a great guest. It's been good to have you on there. I know that uh, hopefully we can have taught some of the homeowners these things. It's glad to see these trends. You know, here in Colorado. Um, there's only about six and a half, six or six and a half percent of the homes have um, alternative uh, power. Uh, it's probably less than a half of one percent that have wind. And so that's an upcoming thing. And so there are opportunities to save some money and uh, improve some value. But again, it's case by case. Yeah. So glad to have you on. And then I'll do the last we pay the bills type thing here um, at Energy Advisors. Uh, we help people with this. We don't have anything to sell. So we will stop at it and work with a homeowner, evaluate uh, a site analysis. We have all these cool apps that look at wind maps and solar maps and all these kinds of things. But a lot of it, we look at your energy consumption, and then we'll help you make um, educated decisions on that. So it's really simple. Just go to energyadvisors.today. So that's the yeah, those are that is an extension now. Dot today. So energyadvisors.today. We do a free analysis. We pretty much are focused here in Colorado, but we can actually do this just about anywhere in the U.S. I actually had a request just recently from the Virgin Islands, which 
there's a lot of solar on the Virgin Islands, which is pretty make cool. a trip out there, Rex. Yeah, St. Yeah. Croix, St. <laughs> Croix for a week. Yeah, yes. maybe I need to stay out of here. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks great for having me, you. Rex. I appreciate yeah, it's it. good there. Um, again, uh, folks, I will put uh, links in the bottom for YouTube and Rumble and all those fun places to get how to get a hold of Steve and get some more information from him. Of course, there's always information about our stuff. And uh, thanks for coming on. I really yeah. appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank okay. You. Have a good day. Thanks.